we've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer. Tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And today, our global journey takes us to Hong Kong, talking with Hoyan Chung. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. Yes. Well, Hoyan is a serial entrepreneur. He's got an eight-figure Amazon business, a mobile agency, and he's working on a new venture called Remo. And it's labeled the next-gen video-first virtual space for event organizers and distributed teams. And boy, Hoyan, that couldn't be more timely these days. We're now living in a, a new world where remote working obviously has really taken hold. I mean, I re- I've managed remote teams for over like eight, nine years. And when it was still a fringe sort of trend, now it's like really in the forefront. Virtual events is kind of like where I'm focused on right now. And since the pandemic, virtual events has just ballooned in, in its exposure and, and people kind of really understand what it is. And it's definitely helped us sort of accelerated the trend to this more remote and online virtual world. And mm-hmm. to, so that's been really great. Well, the name is perfect, Remo. Tell us what it is and how it works. Yeah, sure. So Remo was really inspired by, you know, when I was leading remote teams for over like eight years was there's one thing that we all kind of lacked was this feeling that you could strike up an authentic conversation with someone in a very serendipitous or impromptu way. And when it comes to like networking, it turns out that that's really important for people to kind of feel like they are, they can have the freedom to meet someone on their own terms and something where like they can customize the way how they want to meet people, or maybe there's a certain order they want to meet people, they want to prioritize the way they want people, or there's some people that just want, you know, to roll the dice and just meet people through luck. And so I think that's kind of part of what what it's like being human, right? Is is to kind of have that sort of luck and that sort of surprise. And so um, what our platform is, is that it's a map, top-down map, where you get to see the avatars, or if it's a circle, your profile picture, and they're just circles all over the map. And on this map, there's a bunch of tables and people kind of cluster around each table. You double click onto a table and your circle will move to that table. There's other people, they're sitting on their table. The video tiles will just show up. And so you get to move to whichever table that you want and just enter into a conversation and introduce yourself. And people will typically say, hey, how's it going? You know, we're talking about X, Y, and Z. What about you? And so it becomes very topical, very niche very intimate because the groups that we're talking about are anywhere between four and six people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it mimics how real conversations are like when you're actually at an event, at a bar, you know, hanging out with your friends. You know, people don't really talk to each other with greater than six or seven people. Because yeah. when you have so greater than six or seven a, people, you know, you're standing on a stage with a panel yeah, talking to 50 exactly. people. Yes. More than six, you have an audience. And that's when the dynamic starts to change. Well, and you talk about remote teams and how those have developed. I mean, you've worked with large and small clients over the years. 
I think of some of the names that you've told me about, Nike and Best Buy and Cardinal Health and Kaiser Permanente. I'm curious how the culture of the company and the culture of the companies maybe these people work for drive these interactions. Yeah, I mean, each of these large companies that you mentioned obviously have their own culture. And each the cultures really define how they operate. So I'll give you an example. Like, um, there's this one company that I work with. They don't encourage people to turn on their video. So they're very, like, audio-focused. There's some companies that are like, no, you have to turn on your video. And so everyone is expected to turn on their video. And so that kind of permeates across their work culture and obviously permeates across their events as well. Some of them that they're just, they don't care so much about the interaction they're more like this one-to-many type of environment. So they're not seeking any kind of like human or highly interactive experiences where others, they're like, no, we want to mimic these interaction. We believe interaction is king. We believe that's what was required. Like that's what generates engagement, blah, 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 blah. So they're like really into engaging people all through the video, like through polls, inviting them on the stage to answer questions, to ask questions and answer questions. Like, it's just really dynamic. There's just a lot of things going up and down, left and right. And it keeps you engaged. It stops you from checking your email. It stops Mm -hmm. you from getting distracted and looking at something else. When you don't turn on your video, you can kind of just do whatever you want. You know, you can just do other things. And that isn't really what happens in real life unless you're on a phone call, like a conference call. But a lot of these meetings are not on a conference call. You're actually trying to you know, have a meeting. Right. So those are the major differences I've seen. Well, and you mentioned mimicking or reflecting almost like a coffee conversation. If four to six people were sitting around having a coffee and they weren't engaged, it would be a little obvious you know, that exactly. excuse me, you're checking your emails here. Yeah, that would be kind of rude, right? I mean, if someone did that to you, I think that'd be like, you'd be like, um, maybe is there somewhere else you need to be or, you know, don't want to waste your time. And so, I mean, a lot of these social etiquette rules are ignored. You you can ignore them because sometimes you have conference calls and who knows what people are doing on conference calls, right? But not all calls are conference calls. I think there needs to be a balance, both worlds, because that's what the real world is like. It's a bit of a balance. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's important. Well, let's talk about your own creative process and developing this platform, Remo. What was the genesis of it? And how did you begin to pull the players and the processes together to really launch it? So my creative process is, you know, I believe that what many artists do, they leverage and they get inspired by what other people have done. I fully fit into that camp. I do sometimes do create something from scratch that's totally brand new, but I would say that is as in like a component of the things I'm talking about. I would only do it in situations where like there's clearly no one's ever done this before. Mm -hmm. So I have a very visual creative process. So like I will go and find people who have combined certain things together in a certain way. Maybe they've used this type of background with this type of interaction system or whatever, but I want to combine them together, right? And then I will take a lot of pictures and I will create like a mood board to kind of show what I am thinking about doing. And so it looks like a, so it's like a Pinterest and then I I might use Google slides or keynote or something. And that's just like throw it all together. And then it just starts to like, and I I build a, this is something I do when I build landing pages is kind of similar to this is I'll build a landing page on Keynote. And what I take is I will go online and take screenshots of different sections of other web pages. And then I would just like 
put them all together like I don't know what it would be because like a pin board or like a mm-hmm. like a collage. That's it. I'll yeah. put it together like a collage. It's so fascinating hearing you describe this mood board. I mean, I can't see it. And you're really visually oriented in describing this. And it's so interesting, you know, some technology entrepreneurs and some platforms are built almost on a spec sheet kind of a thought, you know, very linear, very verbal or written kind of direction, but you're looking at it visually. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're a very experiential business. You know, we're, we're not a, just a software company. We're actually in the, in the business of creating experiences and delighting the guests. And so that's, that's a very visual, our product's a very visual product. And so we end up have to have, um, I think because of that, maybe I've developed, I've u- utilized a much more like visual style to kind of like communicate. So we use like tools like Figma. It's like a, uh, it's like Photoshop on steroids. Like you can like just move things around very easily. You can collaborate very easily. So we use Figma a lot. We, we will put mood board together with Figma and then we will brainstorm together. We'll collaborate together. And that just puts like this product development and just putting ideas together on like hyperdrive. It's like one of the best things to do, especially when you're developing like a lot of things that maybe not a lot of people have done, but you've seen people do it in pieces and not the exact way how you would like to have done it. You take all those things together and it's mm-hmm. so much more easier to explain to someone or to brainstorm together. And like your idea, someone will riff off of your idea, you riff off of their idea and it just like iterates like really quickly through that process. So that's kind of how we got it. And then the second way how we executed it in terms of, I talked a little bit about our process, but it's very agile. Like it's very fast. Like I, I, what, what I do is, you know, pro- developing product or developing anything needs to be iterated really quickly. The time to iterate must be very short. And that's where you will see the most success because you're getting a lot of feedback and you, the feedback cycle is really short and you make a lot of small steps versus taking one long giant step. Because if you take a lot of small steps in the same amount of time, a lot of small steps, you will you actually move further along than one large step. Mm-hmm. What, what we did is, is that uh, we utilize tools and platforms where we do not involve engineers. Hmm. which is counterintuitive because you're like, well, you're building a software platform, you should use it. And my argument is you don't do any kind of highly iterative experimental things with engineers. Hmm. You don't do it. You only work with engineers when you've clearly defined exactly what you want and you've done it enough manually that you understand the whole problem. Then you hire engineers to build the tool to scale it. Basically, technology is a scaler, right? You only use it when you want to scale it to a certain extent, but you should never use it for any other situation other than that. That's why technology scales. That's why you have Facebook, because you've got all these companies because they scale. So we then focus on iterating quickly. And so we used specific software platforms that don't require engineers so that we can iterate quickly. So we can iterate within hours, within days on a software platform by modifying it without engineers. How great is that? Because mm-hmm. then now you don't have to, you're not beholden to just waiting for someone else. You can just make the change automatically. And so we use pro- products like platforms like WordPress, Bubble.io. There's a bunch of these no-code tools that we use and that allows us to create, collaborate much quicker. Well, listeners, my guest is Ho Yen Chung. He's from Hong Kong. His company is Remo.co. 
So Ho-Yen, I also wanted to pause and zoom in and kind of underscore some of the language that I was hearing as you described these interactions and, and this uh, design thinking, thinking of guests, you know, thinking of human connections, relationships. There's a very different nomenclature that you're using instead of users and you know, that sort of thing. It's a different mindset, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, we care a lot about this, the words that we use because the words define the way how we think and the way what we see it. And so we don't use users, we use who they are. Like, who are these people? So we, we try to humanize the whole thing. And that starts with the words that we use. Humanizing the whole situation, a lot of it has to do with the copy and the way how you write stuff and the way how you communicate it. That's actually, I want to say like 30% of the work, 30 to 40% of the work is what is you write in the product, in the experience to convey it. Product management is actually a communication exercise between the company and the users and how well you communicate with them. That's actually product. The definition of product is actually a communication exercise. Because mm-hmm. there's no, because if you created a new, for, I'll give a good example. You created a new feature, right? Who, how are they going to know that they're going to use it? You have to tell them. And how do you tell them? You got to communicate. You got to figure out how to communicate. Is it a pop-up? Is it a message? Is it an email? Like, how are you going to tell them about it in order for them to use it? And then how do you teach them? That's all communication. It's all communication. Well, and that's sort of not only the features of the platform, but obviously this brand language has really attracted a lot of clients. You've scaled up quite nicely. Where do you stand now? Yeah, I mean, we have right now customers in the thousands. You know, we've got about 100 people on the team, become profitable within the pandemic. I think, you know, we've been able to prove to ourselves and to the, to the customer base that, you know, we're building something that people want. I think for us, it's just really the experience. People say user experience all the time. I don't want to use user experience. I just, I want to, the way how I kind of say it is like, it's, it just feels more human than everything else. And therefore people like it. And you mentioned profitability. I read a bullet point in your presentation that said, all bootstrapped, no VC funding. You know, a lot of the times uh, an entrepreneur's story includes going out and raising money and getting investors, but that was not part of your play, huh? I mean, like I've raised money before and we've been approached by a lot of people who want to invest. And I think it's not that we don't want to take money or we don't want to, it's just there needs to be a really good reason to, to do that. And we just haven't found a good reason, you know? I mean, we've, you know, a good reason is like, hey, you know, I really do need the money to develop the product, but we've kind of been able to do that already. I really need money to, to, to actually market the product. Well, we were able to generate money so that we can market the product. There just hasn't been the need because we just started the business with the idea that we have to make money from the beginning. That's, I think it's just a mix of luck and a mix of just how the cards just kind of fell and the sequence of events that happened that made us, I guess, lucky in this case. I mean, it is very rare, I would say, to be a bootstrap business that kind of experienced such high intense growth. Like it's not normal. It's definitely not normal. So I think- Well, that's why I caught my eye. I mean, some people talk about, hey, we need a proof of concept because we got to prove to investors we know how to make money. Your proof of concept was uh, registered users, clients, revenue, you know, things like this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely elements of luck and also- just really being really focused on like, okay, how do I make sure that on day one, I make money? And there's a lot of ways to do that. You don't need a product to make money on the first day. 
you actually don't. And people who have successfully built businesses, a lot of them may have a product, a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. And it's the trick is how do you frame it in a way that sets the right expectations so that people can, you know, pay you in advance, you know, as you develop the product or pay you in advance because the, you, you know, you have a track record, you're able to prove that you've been able to deliver. They pay you because they want to be part of your journey and your, you know, there's just, just a lot of ways in order to do that. And you have to deliver in the end. And then that's what leads to kind of like your next, the next level. Yeah. makes sense. Well, Hoyan, imagine we were sitting in one of your virtual coffee tables and we were with say four other entrepreneurs and we're really mixing it up and describing how we're all working with our remote teams these days. You just mentioned you've got like a hundred team members, I think 20 countries or something like that, but dots on the map all over the world. So if you were talking to these other entrepreneurs and they said, you know, what is something you've really done to build a culture and build a team remotely that we could all learn from as we advance our own remote teams, what would you say? What I really care about is, you know, I'm kind of like a host myself. I love playing board games. I think board games is like one of the best ways to know a person without small talk. And I also like board games because you get to see and interact with people, but you don't have to do it with like the traditional traditional social etiquette way. Like, oh, hey, where are you from? Oh, we start from there. You know, like typical relationships kind of like they, they start with questions and learning about each other and like over time, you know, whatever. Or you work with, with someone, right? Well, with the board game is you don't even have to, you don't have to ask those questions. You just play with them and you learn a lot about each other. And through that, you can, you know, you're working together, you're, you're collaborating or, you know, competing with against or whatever it is. So what I do in a build culture is I need to make, I want, I make sure that, first of all, you got to set what the values are and you have to live by them. You have to work, communicate them. And then second is, is that making sure that people just connect online. And for me, I like board games. I incorporate that and I use board games to online board games to kind of get people to come together. And so I organize board game sessions. Me, the CEO, I will message my team members and say, it's your working hour. I know it is. Please come and play games with me during your work hour. Love that. And then, and that's kind of the commitment that I feel like we as a company need to have is, is that people need to connect during their work hours in a way and people, it's hard, you know, people still want to work, you know, our, our challenge at our company is sometimes people overwork. Mm-hmm. And so we need to like encourage people like, Hey, look, you got it. Look, the work's going to be there. It's not going to run away. You know, let's just take some time and just, just chat and hang out. It's hard. It's yeah. not easy. No, it's not easy, but you've described a pretty creative approach. Well, how do you see the uh, future looking over the horizon? Not only, you know, where do we go in fiscal year terms, but where do you see the future for post-pandemic remote global workforce and events? I mean, I think from a remote work standpoint, like people are working from home. I think there's going to be like two different worlds of working. There's going to be one side where everyone used to work in the same place. Mm-hmm. We built all these expensive buildings and we're not just going to throw that investment away. So we, we, I, we need people to work in their office. And the second thing is, the second part is, is the other side, which is, okay, we've got hybrid. We'll have hybrid work remote. We're going to try this. We're going to try doing it. And it doesn't really last very well. 
because it's very difficult to do hybrid work well. It's very, very difficult. And then you have the third, which is virtual, fully, fully remote um, companies that there is no office. And I think this will slowly grow. It's grown a lot. And I think it will grow even further because new companies that come up, come, come up are embracing this. It's just a much more simpler and easier way to grow your company uh, at a lower cost, a lower cost and a better access to talent. So I think that's kind of like where things will be. I think that's where it's going to shift towards. With virtual events right now, what I'm seeing is people are viewing virtual events and physical events as two different channels of how you would interact with your customers or interact with your audience. Just how like people regard podcasting versus speaking mm-hmm. at an event. There's just two different ways to like do things. And I think right now virtual events has just now found its place amongst the many channels as this one thing that you can do. I think it's already established. And for that perspective, I think it's normalized. I think people have normalized around this. And now it's just it's just the question of just, you know, do people know how to do it? Are they are they getting better at it? How's the tech gonna improve and provide better ways to do that? And I think that's just kind of like where it's gonna be. Well, in the spirit of networking, and of course, uh, one of the themes of our podcast is making connections, creative connections to get our work out into the world. What, what sort of connections are you looking for? What sort of resources or people or ideas are you hoping to attract? I'm just looking to work with just amazing people who really care about making human-centric experiences and people that really know how to hustle and be able to kind of like work hard and just be really able to help accomplish goals and really move the needle. To me, those are these types of amazing people. I want to talk to them. I want to know them and I want to meet them. And that's for me, like, that's like the main thing that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to right now. Terrific. And what's the best place people can find you, connect with you? Yeah, it's mostly on LinkedIn right now. So you guys definitely talk to me on LinkedIn. I can send the LinkedIn link in the show notes. I can share it with Mark. Sounds great. Well, what a great conversation. I'm excited. And like I said, I I like what you're describing as a visual brief for our projects. And uh, I can't wait to leverage some of the things that you've described today. My guest has been Ho-Yen Chung. Ho-Yen, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Mark. And everybody check out his profile on LinkedIn, as well as the company and the platform, Remo, R-E-M-O dot C-O. And be sure to join us for our next episode. We'll continue our around the world travels. We talk to creative practitioners in all sorts of fields about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and of course, how they gain the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. If you like our podcast, here's another show you might like, Turmeric and Tequila with Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Authentic, aware, influential, and grateful. Look for and follow Turmeric and Tequila.